0: I would bowl up the hill into the wind, overs in the straw at the moment. I, I miss it, I really do.
1: Welcome to this week's Cricket Scotland podcast with me, Jake Perry. What can I say about my guest today? a bowling all-rounder with 80 official international and list A wickets to her name, as well as 111 caps for Scotland, not to mention one of the most entertaining Twitter accounts too. A very warm welcome back to the podcast, Samantha Hago.
0: Hi, Jake.
1: Absolute pleasure. I mean, we were just saying the other day, it is kind of crazy to think that about a year ago from now, we were sitting with Lorna Jack talking about Tom Sol's Alice Band uh, on commentary for the Sri Lanka ODI at the (laughs) Grange shows uh, kind of what can happen in a year i guess
0: i know it's mad it's just it's, it's so so bizarre and a lot can happen in a year but hopefully that means that a lot can happen in the next few months as well god help us all
1: so how have you yeah. been doing over the last uh, the last few weeks or so
0: yeah yeah i've been fine i mean obviously this is the new normal now so i think i've adjusted to you know being at home and working from home every day but um yeah, fine, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm missing cricket and the girls and, you know, being out there in the paddock on a nice day. Do you know, I'm even missing the days when, um, you know, it's kind of half raining and you go on for 10 overs, then off for 10 overs and then one for two overs and then it starts raining again. Like, I even miss that. Like, I don't even, I, I would I would bowl up the hill into the wind 10 overs in the straw at the moment. I, I miss it, I really do. At the start, I don't know, I was kind of, the excitement of this pandemic, not that it's exciting, kind of took over, but um, yeah, I'm missing it now. I'm ready to get back out
1: there. If we can get the nets back on at least, you know, we'll feel like we're, yeah. we're just starting to make a little bit of progress. Yeah,
0: yeah, can't wait.
1: But it's lovely to have the chance to see you over the power of Zoom again and um, and to have a chat today. And I often start by asking a question about how you got into cricket in the first place, but I'm not sure that's entirely necessary in your case, um, you could say that um, that there's there's cricket in the blood of your family.
0: Yeah, just a little, just a little. Um, obviously, my, my dad's an um, international umpire now, but he played up until 10, 10 years ago or so, probably more than that now. And um, my uncle played; he was a um, Scotland keeper for for a while um, in the eighties and nineties, which is cool. And my grandfather was a was an umpire, and played in his day as well. So. It was kind of inevitable really that it fell upon me.
1: So so what were those early cricketing days like for you?
0: Yeah, so Presswick's um our local club and it's just five minutes walk from the house. Um I was always there from from when I was born really, whether it was, you know, being walked around the boundary in my pram while my, my uncle and dad played and and things like that. But my early sort of memories were probably when I was about seven. I got into quick cricket, as most kids do, at that sort of age, um, and I just loved it. Um, my earliest sort of memory was of our professional, when I was around that age, and it was Chris Gaffney, who's now an ICC international umpire, and I just remember being so inspired by him at such a young age, and thinking he was so cool. I remember um, him and his wife used to kind of babysit me, because they lived in the, the flat that was attached to the Crank Club, and just had so much fun with them, and it really sort of ignited that passion, um, for cricket in me. I, obviously, my dad did help as well, but that's sort of the earliest memory I have of it. Um, so, down at the club.
1: And what about other girls? Were you were you kind of by yourself at that time, pretty much, or were there others playing yeah. too?
0: Yeah, no, I was. I was the only girl. I mean, it's so much better now, but I just wasn't a girl sport back then, and it's, it's sad to say that, but um. There didn't seem to be anything that attracted girls to it. I obviously have my family as my anchor to it, but um, girls, like when I was younger, did dancing and swimming and tennis, but not really cricket. So, yeah, it was just me, but I don't know. If I quite liked it, to be honest.
1: <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of, of your colleagues over the years, and they've often talked about how getting involved in the national setup, such as it was in those early days, was so eye-opening because they saw that there were other girls playing, and it was really encouraging that way. I mean, how did it turn into involvement in the national setup for you?
0: It first of all started. Um, I got invited along to the the Western Regional Development thing for girls. There was only about eight to ten of us there, and that's where I met Lorna, Lorna Jack, and some other girls, and we became really good friends. And then it was, a, it was a sort of tight knit group of us. and I remember. Um, got a, a letter in the post asking if I wanted to go along to you know Scotland under 17th training and that just made my life I was so excited and and soon after that um I must have still must have only been about 12 I got invited along to senior Scotland training at Westwood's health center and I remember at the time because only a few years before um press had taken you know a bus up to the Grange to watch a Scotland game they were playing you know, in the English County League that they played in. And at the side of the ground, they had like a kid's zone that you could go to. And I remember there were two Scotland players there running the session. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I've just got Catherine White's autograph. Like, this is so cool. And then lo and behold, a few years later, I turned up at the session and Catherine was there and I just, and and Carrie as well. And I just, that sort of group, I was so inspired and, and in awe of them, really. Um, and that, yeah, from then on, I was just like, I want to be a part of this. Like, I just loved it. It was so cool.
1: So your Scotland debut actually came not too long after that, I guess. You were, you were 15 years old. County yeah. Challenge Cup against Durham.
0: I do remember it. It was um, a little club called Sacriston. And um, my whole family, we we jumped in the car. And I think my grandma was there as well. And they took a picnic. And I was making my debut with um Lorna. So her family came as well. And I just remember being so excited. But one funny thing that I like to remind some of my teammates now is, on the day like I turned up, I got like a cap. I got, I think it was a medium men's training top, which I still think was the best training top we've had. It was such a cool design, surge. Um, And a medium men's whites playing top. And that was my kit that I got. And I was overjoyed, like, but now, you know, you turn up, you get the full track suit, three of everything, you know, so that that's probably one of my strongest memories of the day, just being so excited to get, like, my own piece of kit. Um, I think we won the game, it was a close game. But yeah, just being there, being part of it, really made me think, oh, I really want to, to do more of this. Although it's funny, I remember the next game, one of the next games after that, um, we were playing down in Loughborough, um, Pete Stein was the coach at the time uh, just so lovely so supportive but um, I got a duck I think I was batting 10 or 11 I wasn't really bowling I was, I was there really to field to be honest and um, I remember being inconsolable floods of tears for about 45 minutes after I got out so I just thought I'm never going to get picked again like I've ruined I've blown my chance and I was only like I was only a kid that, that was quite funny but um, I kept coming back so you know
1: it's, it's interesting you mentioned Lorna as well because making your debut yeah. together and you won your hundredth cap fast forwarding sometime yeah. in the same match and your, your careers have mm-hmm. gone in parallel all this all this time
0: yeah it's been nice I, she has she's basically like a sister I suppose we just we grew up we were so young at that age and you know we've we've seen it all we've done it all been some cool tours together and yeah it was really nice to get the 100th cap together actually it it was quite fitting just through it all that we could be there together again it's it's, it's as if like she's just had the past couple years at the top of the order and I remember like for so long she was middle lower order so I'm I'm absolutely delighted for her she's doing a great job of it and she's still got that fire in her belly even though she thinks she's old now
1: (laughs) we talked about um about the change since the days when you first got involved about how things are now when we look back and compare and it's difficult to think also of the the different competitions that were going on at that time as well um one of which was the european championships which was a big thing and that was your first major tournament with scotland 2009 um fair to say that competition didn't exactly go scotland's way very often in those early days
0: no that's that's a funny one actually, because obviously yeah, it was my first major tournament and I rocked up at the airport and I wasn't on the plane. and uh, there was no like ticket for me and we're like, this is weird. So we're trying to call like the office, Cricket's got an office saying, like, what's happened? And we weren't sure what had happened. So Catherine White ended up paying for my tickets to fly over to Dublin at the airport and she obviously claimed it back, whatever. And then we got to the hotel, no Samantha Haggle on the list and we're like, oh, that's really strange. And then it later transpired and we went to train at one of the grounds that for some reason I hadn't been registered in the team for the tournament. So I ended up missing my first game. So that, that <laughs> didn't start things off well. But um, yeah, early days at the European Champs were quite tough. Um, we weren't taken seriously. I think I don't think it's unfair to say that. Um, not that we were so much a stock, but it did feel like we were always kind of punching above our weight and just there to kind of fill a space. It it was tough because we had all the best intentions in the world and we trained hard and played hard. But at that time, we just weren't on the same sort of level as Ireland and Holland. And it kind of became a running joke. Every year we sort of won the ICC Spirit of Cricket Award, you know, at the, the end of tournament awards ceremony, which was nice. But, yeah, it was tough because... You just kind of you lost game after game, and we never kind of could impose ourselves in those early days. So it's much better to see that you know things have sort of changed and we're we're staking a claim for ourselves now, which is nice.
1: So that first win over Ireland in twenty eleven that you played in, it was only last summer that we claimed the second ever win, of course. But how I know. how important was that that step forward for the team?
0: Yeah, it was huge. I just I, I'll always remember the elation, uh, um, stealing that last run, the last ball. It was just, we couldn't believe it. Like we we genuinely were were sort of shocked and amazed and delighted all at the same time. Um, but yeah, I think that was a turning point. Cause we finally sort of had that belief that actually, you know, we're not miles away from where we want to be. It's just we just weren't consistent enough at the time and. Ireland and Holland were consistently had some key performers. You know that the things we can week out, and so um, yeah, that was a that was a really big moment actually, and and from then on, I guess once you have the belief, you can work on the technical side of things, but belief is a huge part of it. So that that did help, I think, massively. Yeah.
1: And what have been the the highlights since? What what have been those those key moments? Do you think in the in the history of the women's team that's that's brought it to where it is today?
0: I remember we had a we had a great season i think it was maybe back in 2014 or 15 and we we won basically every game of the the counter champs league that we were in i think it was div three or something and just the the camaraderie and the team atmosphere that came from that was it was palpable because we we just kept winning games and we the confidence we got from that was huge and then I think it's sort of snowballed actually from as far back as then six years ago because um, obviously we then started to you know do a bit better in international games as well and I do think that had a, that had a huge impact and obviously you know the the qualifiers we've won in recent years have been good to you be know, to get to global events the next main milestone would be to you know win a global event and get to a World Cup so you know we are trending upwards it's it's not been our moment yet but. Uh, I feel like it's it's not far off at all it can't be just the progress the team is making and um, it's got to happen at some point and hopefully it'll be soon
1: and what about your personal highlights as well I remember talking to to Carrie about this and asking about what she particularly would, would highlight in, in her own career and she was talking about how it wasn't really incidents as such or um, taking five or scoring 50s, it was more just moments. It was little moments of camaraderie on the field, a uh, uh, drop caps that everybody laughs about afterwards, that, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I can definitely resonate with that. Um, I've been asked that a few times, what was your kind of favourite moment in a Scotland jersey? And I can't really just pinpoint one. It's, it's more the people and the, the, the memories you have. And like you say, like funny moments or... You know things that happen. I, I I don't feel like it would be right to say oh when I got a fifty or got X number of wickets because I don't know. It's, I've only ever really cared about the team. That that sounds so silly to say. Obviously you have immense pride when you do well personally, but for me, my Scotland career has been more than that. It's been the the people and the memories and that you share with the team. Really, I would say. Winning that, that league that I just mentioned was really special. That was a great season, things like that. But, yeah, no, I don't think I could put it on something. 100th cap, obviously, but, yeah, that that's probably as far as I'll go. I'm, I'm sitting on the fence on this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but your career's gone beyond Scotland as well. You had that um, that season in New Zealand, too, in 2014-15. How was uh, that?
0: Oh, that was incredible. Um, I just went over as a, an overseas player at a club called Sydenham, and it ends up, I can't re- quite remember how it happened, but I got the opportunity to train with the Magicians, which is the the first-class women's domestic team out there. And before I knew it against what... It was just against all odds, really. Um, in my mind, I just didn't think I'd have any chance of getting to play for them. But I got um, named in the squad to go fly to Wellington to play at the Basin um, against the Wellington Blaze. That was incredible. And from then on, I just was part of the squad for the season I suppose I ran drinks a hell of a lot more than I played but just to be part of the setup and and see how professionally they go about their their approach to training and game days was invaluable really um, and I've got some great memories from that and I'd like to think that I did take it back home and put that towards my own training and preparation and um, for games back here so it was incredible yeah loved it I'd recommend anyone does it season abroad if they can
1: you played in 2017 back home uh the t20 World cup europe and America's qualifier uh that rainy week in sterling <laughs> when uh, when we were on and off the field uh, so so much eventually got, got three games in but Scotland emerged as tournament winners but you weren't able to be involved in the following year's global qualifier uh because you decided to step away from uh, from the game for a while what was it that happened
0: yeah um it was, I wouldn't say it was a decision as such. It was kind of a decision that was made for me. Um, I ended up losing a hell of a lot of weight. I was diagnosed with anorexia and I just couldn't do I didn't have the energy. And it's so frustrating because the reason I'd started kind of going to the gym and, and taking care of my fitness and general wellbeing was because I wanted to be a better cricketer but it just spiralled out of control and I don't know where it came from, but it came hard and fast and it was, it was horrible. And I think it was um, maybe winter training um, and the physio at the time, she was doing her uh, physio screening and just, you know, taking measures of things and she just said, you're not well. She'd known kind of before she could see that things were happening and so She kind of told me, like discharged me from the squad, I suppose, and she managed to get me um, support, um, which was incredible because it was awful and it was was just the pits. It was the lowest of the low, that sort of year that I was off. It was just, I felt so lost and I think um, I hadn't appreciated until then how much my sense of self came from cricket because it had just defined my whole life. And then when I had that taken away from me, I just felt so lost. I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I was, I was so ill. I was, I was cold all the time. I wasn't sleeping. Like it was just awful. And so I think it was just, it was just bizarre because obviously cricket was my true passion, but I I was that far gone that I couldn't even get in my head to think, you know, you need to get back to that. I just didn't know what to do with myself. It was horrible. But thank God, I'm kind of out the other side of it now and, and last year um, was a special moment getting to play play again so th- there was points where I just thought, I don't know if you're gonna get to, to play again it was it was really hard, so yeah, thankfully, it's water under the bridge now, and I think i'm 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 done with that I'm, I'm not going back, so yeah,
1: no, I meant to that, and I suppose it it shows how easily something like that can happen to to anyone but how easily that positive drive that you put into training can be flipped into something something darker
0: yeah 100 percent. i think it does link to like sort of perfectionist traits and obviously when you're playing a high level sport you need to be kind of rigid instruction in your routines and and you know making sure that you're making good decisions with your your general fitness and well-being but yeah it, it just spiraled out of control and I think it was actually exacerbated in global qualifiers. We had in Colombo, I think. I think that was January 2016, maybe. Um, I broke a finger in the warm-up game, so couldn't play in the tournament. And that's when I'd I'd noticed something wasn't right and I was was being a bit um, disordered with my eating and exercise. And because I couldn't play, that really affected me I remember like in 30 degree heat at tees when I wasn't playing going out and doing like relentless sprints on the outfield to earn my tees because I just thought you're not playing so and you're going to get this huge banquet of food it's. so I just felt I had to earn it and that that's when it started to get worse actually so and I, I do get frustrated I think if you hadn't if you would taken that catch properly in the warm-up would this have got as far as it did but yeah it kind of spiraled from there but i can definitely see how female athletes can get impacted by something like that it's it's pretty nasty but
1: yeah but one positive that has come out of it has been your fundraising um if (laughs) you're a follower of of as a half on instagram um you'll know all about all about what's happening do you want to explain for our (laughs) listeners that haven't seen that just yet
0: uh yeah um I just somehow had it in my head that I wanted to run a, a half marathon. And so I thought, well, I might as well do it for charity. So um, Beats, the eating disorder charity, agreed to to take me on as one of their their fundraisers. So I signed up to the Edinburgh half marathon, which should have been on in May, just last month there. But um, it's been postponed to September. If that even does happen now, I'm not sure. But... Um, yeah I'm overwhelmed with the generosity of everyone that's that sponsored me and it was quite poignant for me actually so I think when I get to if I get to cross the finish line that'll be a really special moment for me and yeah just the people that have supported me along the way whether it's kind words or 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 a 10 or a 20 quid like I do think of that when I'm training so it's just like it just helps you show how far you've come and if it means that other girls down the line can get some support from beat, then one one really.
1: Yeah, And how's the training going?
0: Uh, yeah, it's going all right. Um, I'm trying to get out there three, four times a week. Not necessarily to do huge long runs, but just to kind of keep the fitness ticking over, because I'm conscious that once we get the go-ahead to train again, Noxy will have some lovely fitness tests <laughs> lined up for us. Or Charlotte, should I say. Charlotte, or S&C. So, um, yeah, just trying to keep things ticking over, but Not being too hard on myself, not forcing big long runs because, you know, it's a global pandemic. If you can't be kind to yourself, then when can you be kind to yourself? (laughs) So we're getting there.
1: Well, you've alluded to it uh, just before, but it was certainly the highlight of my season last year was seeing you back for the Eagles against the Stormers in that beautiful sunny day, hot sunny day in April um, in Frukey. You took two for 33 that day. How did that feel, getting back to action again?
0: Oh, it was incredible. I loved it. Um, I think because I had no expectations, I was just happy to be there and just, you know, overwhelmed at the situation. I just loved it. And since then, if I've been too hard on myself or taking a game too seriously or, you know, overthinking things, I just think back to that game and think, you know, you just played because you enjoyed it. You were just happy to be there. And I quite often find I do play my best when I'm just happy and enjoying it. So... That was quite a nice reminder that I hope that I can take forward with me moving forwards. you know, not to take it too seriously because you're there cause you love it. It's, it's, there's no need to kind of beat yourself up about, you know, not doing something right. It's just, just a case of enjoying it, being grateful for the opportunity, I suppose.
1: And uh, and what now? I mean, over over 100 caps, you're still only 27 years old. Um, what are your hopes mm-hmm. and ambitions for, for the future?
0: Yeah, I just I'd love to you know um, sort of get back to where it was in terms of being a an integral member of the team. It's it's hard now. I mean, there's a lot of medium pace all rounders in the team at the moment, and lots of amazing young talent coming up there. So it is definitely keeping me on my toes, and I'm under no illusion that it's it's easy. I, d- I don't have a set spot anymore. But the positive thing for me is I've still got a fire in my belly. I still always want to get better. So. Hopefully, once things get better, um, it might be next season now. But I'm hoping to have a really good season and you know, put myself right back in contention for a for a spot in the squad.
1: Well, Sam, it's always an absolute delight to speak to you and uh, to watch you play as well. And I'm I'm really looking forward to being able to do that uh, again soon, or being well.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been great to chat to you.
1: Samantha Hago, one of the great names of Scottish women's cricket and if you'd like to support Sam and beat check out her Instagram page Hago does a half which has all the information you need to know I can't think of a better cause and that's it for the Cricket Scotland podcast for another week I'll be back on Monday where my guest will be Scotland men's head coach Shane Berger but until then take care and I'll see you soon